0: I started last week with experiencing the kingdom of God and trying to to get an understanding of what that means so that I I can experience more of God. You know, sometimes our understanding and our thinking needs to be tweaked and adjusted just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the the easiest adjustments come when we make the adjustments ourselves. (laughs) But now, You know, thinking about all of that, back this last year when things were just going so hard, I thought about asking my mom if that offer still stood about slapping me into next year, because I just, you know, Lord, I need a little help here. Uh, And and you know, the adjustments came much better when mom and dad didn't get involved, okay? But I, so I, I realized that if I will take the initiative and make those adjustments myself, be willing to hear it and see it, it's a whole lot easier on me. And so, you know, the Lord is just so good about helping us to walk through these things. And, and listen, when you're first born again, I mean, everything needs adjusting. I mean, the Lord is encouraging. We've got to renew our mind and, and take on a whole new way of thinking according to the Word of God so that we can experience God, experience all that He has for us, His good, perfect, acceptable will. I mean, I need some adjustment in my thinking, my paradigm of thinking, Lord, adjust me, tweak me, whatever it takes, so that I can experience you. And, you know, we're, we're going over here to... Let's go to 2 Peter, the first chapter. That's where our text has been. And we will go back to that again tonight and in and next week as well. 2 Peter, the first chapter, verse 10. wherefore the rather... I'm taking it, again, out of context a little bit. We're going to plug it into the context of it. He said, "...giving diligence to make your calling and election sure." For if you do these things, you shall never fall. I mean, that just jumps out. as If you do these things, which these things, we'll look and see what he's talking about, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, you know, I, I think, Lord, I want to understand the Word of God. I want, I want to understand the fullness of what you want me to gain out of this. And when I was talking about the way that we think and the when we're talking about the kingdom of God, you know, we need to have some understanding. And, I, and when I look and read the Word, I, I see that, you know, like the Pharisees and and the different religious leaders and people of the time that Jesus walked the earth, they had this idea about God's kingdom. And I, I know that probably the, the Israelites, they saw it as the Israel nation would take over all of the nations of the world and dominate them. But God had a different plan. God had a different plan. And when you look at the, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that Daniel interpreted talking about the kingdoms and as they were coming. Well, they read those scriptures. They, they had that, you know, that prophecy to, to go off of and knowing that God would one day bring in a kingdom that would dominate all of the kingdom. No other kingdom would be able to withstand against his kingdom, Right. You see what I'm saying? And listen, we need an understanding that it's in Jesus. It's not meat and drink. It's not by what you'd see in observation. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you, within you. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what does that mean? How do we dominate? How is it that no other nation in the world can withstand God's kingdom now? And so, you know, you think about it, that there are Christians everywhere. Woo, glory to God. When I I look up, you pull up Venezuela. Venezuela, for an example, just one of the examples. As we pray for Afghanistan and all these other countries, Venezuela, how many of you know, they have been going through some hard times. Evil, evil has tried to dominate that country and destroy that country, even as it's trying to destroy our country. But 91% of the Venezuelans are Christians. I don't know if I said that. Venezuelans, is that right? (laughs) That's close enough for Texan people from Venezuela, 91% are Christians, primarily Catholic and then other, you know, Protestants, a few of those, 91%, they're not going to be able to take that country as those Christians are praying for their nation. I'm believing that God will turn it around for their country. Just as evil cannot win in this country, because why? You're here. You're here. And you're tapping in and experiencing the kingdom of God. And so here in Peter is saying, if you will do these things, you shall never fall. And, he, 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 and listen, he said, give diligence to make sure that your calling and election is, is sure. It, to me, it's easier to give diligence to something as long as you have understanding and revelation of the potential outcome of the situation. If I know that I'm going to apply this much effort into something, what, what do I get out of it? <laughs> what do I get out of it? And so that's what we're talking about. And Peter told us what the outcome would be. He said, if you will do these things, if they abide in you, then you shall never fall. That's exciting to me because I don't know about you. I've been walking with the Lord for a number of years and I have fell flat on my face a number of times. (laughs) I get tired of having a bloody nose, you know what I'm saying? And having to get back up and and get my strength. And listen, you you just can't get around it. He said, if you'll do these things, you'll never fall. The Amplified says you'll never stumble or fall. That's exciting to me. And listen, this is not about, it's not talking about losing your salvation. It's not talking about falling from grace. It's not talking about works. It's talking about steadfastness. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because later in the chapter, later in the book, Peter said this in 2 Peter 3, 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware. Lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So it's about being steadfast in the Lord and being successful in that. The word fall here, now listen, the word fall in the Greek, to drop away, to fail, to take none effect, to be ineffective. There's nothing worse in life as a Christian than to be ineffective. <laughs> the Lord in the Old Testament said, "Hey, I am the Lord your God your redeemer. He said, who maketh thee to profit? Now, when I first read that, I said, oh, profit, 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 profit. Yeah, yeah, Lord. Okay. The Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow. But when I looked at the Hebrew, he said, no, I will teach you how to be beneficial to be worth something. It's like, whoa. So when I need to understand the Lord, I need to have understanding so that I can actually be worth something in the kingdom of God and in his work. Praise God. So it's talking about steadfastness. And and I believe that, you know, some of this passage I shared with you, I believe it's referencing going home. But I believe it's talking about now. I'm concerned about living. You and I need to be concerned about living. And and the reason I put such emphasis on that is that I, I come across people all the time who are in churches, call themselves Christian, and worry whether or not they're going to make it to heaven. Well, I don't know if I'm saved. I I don't, I I goofed up last week. My wife beat the snot out of me and I said a bad word. Okay, (laughs) you ladies love that, don't you? But there's people who are worried whether or not they're even going to make it to heaven. Well, I'm I'm not perfect. Well, duh. There are the rest of them. Okay, let's go to 1 Peter chapter... Chapter 1. Let me let me share something with you about your salvation. In chapter 1, 1 Peter 1 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a live, lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, he's begotten us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. For you, yeah. who, who is who, begotten us. He's talking about you, who, who you. Okay, y'all with me? Who are kept by the power of God through faith and salvation. Yeah. Ready to be revealed in the last. You are kept, your inheritance is kept and guarded by the very power of God. Yeah. It's about time you get a hold of that. Because you're still trying to guard it by your works. And you're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. You've been redeemed, bought again, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Holy Ghost took you and immersed you into Christ and washed away the sin seen. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Get over it. It's time to move on. Are y'all with me? I love that. I, I love y'all clapping. The devil's cringing. Come on. Now, I'm, I'm emphasizing all that because you need to get solidified In your understanding that I am a child of God. Now I need to get on with living my life as a Christian. As as someone who's been redeemed, bought, made new, righteous in the sight of God. You need to move forward. You need to renew your mind to that. You need to build on that so that you become strong enough to where at one time, some point in your life, you have the confidence that you're never going to fall. Never going to stumble. I'm never going to backslide. I'm never going to back out, back down, or back away. you know, people fear that as well. They think, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it or not. But listen, we can. And now (laughs) I'm—if I get to talking fast, it's because I'm on a time schedule here. All right. So how many of you tonight would just give me 20 more minutes? Okay, 20, 40, 60. (laughs) We got all night. Okay. But no, really, I only got about 20. So listen, we can work toward a successful, more steadfast Christian life. We just don't do it by the works of the law. Right? Uh, Our works don't define us, nor do they gain us favor with God. It's our love for Jesus as children of God that gain our favor. And so, you know, we have to somehow exercise what we have to make an impact and when we do that it makes an impact somehow in the kingdom i shared with you last week that the kingdom of god can be seen by our actions it's not just by the outward things in the nation it's about people seeing the kingdom of god on the inside of us and through us it's his kingdom on the inside of us showing out amen so ephesians 3 ephesians 3 and i us see i'm trying to skip over some of these notes because i'm running i got these 14 pages of notes i always bring You know, as we exercise what God gives us, one of the byproducts that we experience, it says, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, one of the byproducts of living for him is entering in the kingdom with abundance. But another one is this, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. We can live the successful Christian life. Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work on the inside of us. So Paul is praying for believers and he's saying, do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's actually referencing here and now. God wants to do some abundant things in your life. He didn't want you to, you never was destined to be a failure to not succeed, to not have confidence in him and his word working on the inside of you and you being a child of God. Our life can be a whole lot more dynamic here now. And we can take definite steps toward that. And these steps are what we're covering, experiencing the life of God. Now let's go to second Peter and let's get started. Okay. Second Peter, the first chapter, look at verse five. And he said, besides all this, giving all diligence Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance named off eight steps. These are steps toward a successful walk in God. And when you first take a look at that, that might be a little bit overwhelming, but we just take a step at a time. Now I want, when I first studied this, King James says, add to your faith. And I'm thinking, how do I add? Okay, preacher, add to my faith. Come on now. Add to my faith because I got to go up, you know? (laughs) And I'm thinking, how do I, how do I add to my faith? I got to go to Bible school i got to get more of the word in me. All you peons left behind that don't even know how to read, y'all in the dust. Now, (laughs) if you can't read, don't be offended, okay? But uh, you see what I'm saying? I'm thinking, okay, what does that mean? That's why you need to study to see what it's saying. So let me just read, just let me read the Amplified, which brings out, I'm going to cut the corners here. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort In exercising your faith to develop virtue. In exercising virtue to develop knowledge. Exercising knowledge to develop temperance. What it's saying, you need to exercise this level right here, implement this, and it will develop this next level in your life. Then I take that and I exercise that and it develops the next level. So they're all connected in some way that as you exercise one, it develops the next stage or step onto completion. Are y'all getting that? Yes. So that gives me a little more hope. It's it's it gives me a little more understanding that you know what I can do something with this. I I I can do this. And and I have to exercise one to get to the, the next. But also what it's saying in that is you have to do something with where you are right now. You you probably we're we're at different stages in our life We're at different stages in your life in and of itself in this area of your life You might be at the top. You might be hundred percent running, boy You're and it's this other one you're way down here and you're thinking what do I need to add to this to grow in this Facet of my life So you should find yourself in some of these steps along the way y'all with me So we all can benefit from this We can all do something about this, but you've got to do something with where you are, with what you have right now. So faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, no patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity or love. So I could spend, and each of us could spend hours on each one of those eight steps. So we we don't have the time to do that, but what I'm doing is I'm investing in your own learning. You have to invest in your own learning at this point. I'm I'm trying to get your motor started, and you just got to put the accelerator on, okay? I'm just trying to get your motor fired up where you can add to that. Are you with me? Okay, we're talking about faith. Faith is our common denominator. Let's look at Ephesians 4 right quick, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is Now he's talking about the body, dealing with one another in the body, dealing with one another in love, walking with one another. Y'all see what he's saying? He's talking about, I got to get along with you and you got to get along with me. I got to get along with a guy down the street in the other church that you don't like to go to. Okay, come on. All right. Look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, I taught in our life groups this last semester about, about baptisms and understanding the baptisms. And here it says there's one baptism, but in Hebrew it says there's multiple baptisms, there's a doctrine of baptisms, plural. And I said, well, okay, but i will go back here and there's been whole denominations born out and established on the fact that if you don't get our baptism, you're lost as a goose. This is the only one you need right here. This is it. Are y'all with me? And I'm not chasing that rabbit. I'm killing it right here, so. But what I'm saying to you is that these are the things listed that link us all together. Link us all together. There's one body, one faith, one Lord, one God, one baptism that links us all together. One faith, one faith. And what, what I'm trying to get at with that, that is that faith is the common denominator that we all have. We all have that. And if you're here and you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you have exercised faith to get saved by. That means you have faith. So we're all linked together. We have this common denominator called faith. I believe in Jesus. I spoke it out with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. I exercise it. And there I got my name written in the of Life. So it's a common denominator. It's where we all start. It's the bottom level that we all have. And then you've got to exercise. You've got to use the faith that you have and grow in that faith and understanding of what it's all about and exercise your faith. Be who God's called you to be that means you got it. You got something to build on. Lord already got your bottom floor built. He gave you the faith to get saved by. All right, all right. He provided your cement, your concrete for your cement. All right, okay. You all have that. It's the basis for a whole Christian walk, our common denominator. Hebrews eleven six. now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I'm not going to chase this one rabbit, but, you know, he, he said two things. He's talking to believers here. For those who come unto God must, number one, believe that he is. I thought, oh, well, that don't make sense. Why would you be coming to God if you didn't believe that he is? But how many people do I see that approach God and they truly not believe in who he is? I'm the God above all gods. You know, they don't act like it. I'm the God that can be found. They don't act like it. So there's a whole sermon right there that I will get at next year, okay? So, but the thing about it is here, real Bible faith simply says about you what the word says about you spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, socially. What does the word of God say about you? And you need to exercise in that, and you need to be speaking that. If you're going to exercise your faith, you've got to find out what the Bible says about you, what the Word of God says about you. And you exercise that, then you're moving on to the next level. And then there in verse 6, he said, But without faith it's impossible to please God. You can please God. He didn't say something in there that we couldn't do. I mean, that, that would just be an unjust God. He said, you got to please me by faith, but you can please me by exercising your faith. Now, here's the thing. It's up to you and I to have faith. And the way that I look at it, it's, uh, it's our fault if we don't have it. Okay, i got a couple of truths. One little amen, a couple of nods. That's not as much fun, is it? <laughs> he gave us his word. But it's up to you and I to gain faith through that Word and exercise it, to speak it as true. Amen. Bible faith. It's based on God's Word, His character, His integrity. Bible faith makes all things possible. Bible faith is only limited by the will and the purpose of God. You don't use it to feed your flesh. You find out the will and purpose of God and speak that out of your mouth. Speak that as truth according to the purpose and will of God. Now let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. He said, I, I, I think it's, ne- I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of that. So the question that comes to my mind, is it possible to know the truth of the Word of God and not operating in faith? Yes. See, some of you, you've been walking with the Lord some time. All you need is a little stirring up. You got the Word in you. You, Your heart's established on it, but you need some stirring up like Peter said. It's time. I'm not going to be negligent to put you in the remembrance of who you are. When the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you need to stand up and speak who you are. And not let him take it from you. You need to exercise your faith. And people that might think, well, no, well, what about the backslidden state? Has anybody ever heard of backslide? <laughs> Come on, you Baptists, jump in there with me. Backslide. That means you, in a, you were in a state of being that you were discouraged, disheartened, or whatever. You knew better, and sometimes you just couldn't get out of it right then. But you knew it. And then you got tired of it and got back on the horse, right? Amen. All right. God honors His Word. Faith in His Word is what's gotten us where we are today. Bible faith doesn't come by what you see, but by the Word of God. We've got to stop saying, I'll start believing that when I see it. No, I believe it because God said it. Because God said it. So now, by believing in God and acting on your faith, then it produces or exercises virtue in your life. The Amplified says, exercise your faith to develop virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. Doing what is right, basically, and avoiding what is wrong. That's virtue. So after you start believing God and seeing the truth of God's word, exercising your faith, then come choices. Choices. When you see the truth of God's word, now you've got to make a choice. You're a person of choice. Choice is what got you to this point. Choice of what I'm going to do with my life. Choice about what I'm, how I'm going to believe and how I'm going to act. Are you all with me? And you start making those choices, and it needs to be based on the Word of God. Yes. Choices in your job. How are you going to act in your job? Man, I was working in the oil field when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and truly made Jesus the Lord of my life. Anybody know anything about oil field? Uh, that's some of the roughest crowd around. I grew up around the old field. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I realized I can live my life out there just like I live my life in here. And I made a choice to do that and to live for the Lord. So Micah 6, 8, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and how myself before the high God and bow myself with the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. He's shown you to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. Sacrifices to please God? No. No. (laughs) No. I can't be doing it by works alone. I do the works because of my heart, not the works to keep my heart right before God. Are you all with me? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. So you exercise your faith to develop virtue. Choices founded on and established on the Word of God and the relationship that you have with God. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're starting your work, your walk with the Lord, I mean, just starting out, or you're trying to get it right. It's never too late to make some quality, life-changing decisions. It's never too late. It's never t- I was so proud of my brother that's here, you know, that when we had the baptism service, he said, mm, I'm in, man, I'm in. And he had great boldness and courage and stepped up and said, I'm going to be baptized because I believe in Jesus. Brother, I'm proud of you. And so, I, you know, I just think it's, it's never too late to make these quality, life-changing decisions. And listen, you don't have to know everything about the Word of God. But operate on what you do know. When I went to Bible, before I went to Bible school, Kathy and I were out in West Texas. We were praying for the sick, and the sick were being healed. Legs were growing out, cancers being healed, and blind eyes were seeing. And man, we had great signs and wonders. And I went to Bible school and found out how ignorant I was, and thought I can't have no faith. I'm, so, I'm as ignorant as a day is long. <laughs> that was wrong. Y'all with me? I, mean? I could just grow in those things, so you don't have to know everything. Just make some decisions and choices. So our attitude's going to dictate. Our success in these times of proving that come to us, and you will have times of proving. So, what will your attitude be? Will you have virtuous attitude based on the Word of God? And listen, if you'll please God in your faith, you'll please Him in your decisions. Amen. Let's go to the third one. Your attitude of commitment—I mean, you got to have that before you start building. The third one is knowledge, and listen, it's not about memorization. It's not about memorization. It's a revelation. I remember Kathy, Kathy, when, when we got married with the Lord, Kathy was way up there and I was way down here. (laughs) I mean, I, I had a good mentor, (laughs) you know, to grow by, to help me (laughs) pour into me. But I remember Kathy telling a story of her upbringing in her little church where the women would sit around and gossip and they just tell all these stories. And that was just the way it went all these. And they were older women, grown women, grown adult women, And Kathy thought, well, that must be right. They're doing it, you know. And I read a sign the other day that said, uh, I'm not going to repeat gossip, so listen up the first time. (laughs) That might have been their attitude. And then Kathy, as she grew, began to get into the Word of God and, and discovered by the Word of God that sin, that that was sin. And it changed her. It radically changed that that's not right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love God and do what is right. And it's not right. It was a revelation, knowledge, understanding that changed who she was. Yeah. So as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord, it's not just about memorization. Galatians 4, <clears throat> excuse me, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves of so-called gods that you did not even exist. And now that you have found God, or should I say that now that God's found you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world. When we go to 2 Peter, the first chapter, it says grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How many many want grace and peace multiplied in your life? I do too. He's saying grace and peace can be multiplied. You mean that I can get more of it? Yeah. Well, then I want all I can get. Grace and peace be multiplied, multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need has been provided for you. Everything that pertains to your life and godliness, your spiritual life and your natural life, God has provided for. But how many of us don't realize that? He said, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. When you begin to have the revelation and understanding of God's promises, God's gifts, that's a whole level of knowledge that you need to start exercising so that you can grow thereby. So you're going to exercise this knowledge to go to the next level. Are y'all seeing that? And, and, And that came because I started speaking the word of God. I started walking in my faith and believe I'm a child of God. And I began to make choices to follow God. And then God began to reveal truth to me. And I began to exercise knowledge so that I could go to the next level. They're, they're connected in that way. Amen. Oh, man. Life transformed comes through the mind. So what we got to do is just make up our mind, right? And each one of these levels, you're going to see, each one of these levels are transforming. They bring transformation to who you are. Now, the last level, and I've, I've got to hurry there, is temperance. Temperance. I'll read the definition. And I'm going to share with you one of the best examples of my understanding of this that the Lord showed me, okay? (laughs) Here's the definition of temperance. Moderation in action, thought or feeling, self-restraint. A habitual moderation in the indulgence of the appetites or passions. Moderation in or abstinence from the use of intoxicating substances. (laughs) I mean, we in Texas, we call that (laughs) self-control. That's about what it is, Right? And so exercising not is to develop temperance or self-control. Let me give you this example, okay? I, I wanna, I, I'm going to work in a story tonight, okay? Uh, when I was in high school, my sister got married to a man named Clifford Crouch. Now, he, had, he was football. He was quite the guy. He played college football and, and all these things. So I lived with them. And so that I, my parents moved away, I lived with them so I could play football my sophomore year. And so when I moved in, when I, he, his... I think that his objective was make me meaner than a junkyard dog. <laughs> and I was too tiny my freshman year to play football. They wouldn't let me. You get broke. You're too little. And so I worked hard with them. I, I ran track my freshman year. I'd run, ni- I'd run six miles before school every day, nine miles after school. <laughs> I developed my lungs. I worked on a, a, a ranch, a farm through the summer, and I went from 85 pounds, 85 pounds. 80, your dog weighs more than I weighed. 85 pounds to 120 pounds of pure muscle, and his objective was to make me, so he wrestled me all the time. He was just ongoing. It's constant, and I never knew when he was going to jump me, and one time he would have killed me if my sister hadn't been there. I said, you got to turn him loose. He's turning blue, and man, he had, he had these hands that were like 16-pound sledgehammers, He's a pretty good sized boy, muscled up, and he had these big, and, and so we, we started doing this thing, so as I progressed a couple of years later, we had this thing that we would do, is that he could, he'd reach over, them and he'd hit me like this, right on the front of the shoulder, and, and there's nerves right in there, and it hurts like a big dog, and your whole arm will go numb. It's like, man, and I'd try to catch him, but he had those big 16-pound sledgehammers, but he'd whack me right there, and my, it hurts, and my whole arm would go dead. I mean, the fight beyond, be on, but I'd be doing it with one arm. But I remember sitting at the dinner table one night. So I knew he could, he could just twist me inside and out all he wanted. His buddy that played college ball with him was a 300-plus pounder lineman. I remember he came home and visited one time. Had his real nice car out there, and I spilled my drink on his car. He said, wipe that off. I said, no. I've been so I took off, thought I could outrun him. Those big college boys, big, that big, they run fast. I made it to the door, couldn't lock the door, ran to the door, I ran to the back room, tried to shut the door. And he just took that door open. He took me out and he just cleaned his car off with me like a rag, <laughs> like this. So you understand my revelation of who I'm dealing with. So one night at the dinner table, he reaches over and he just go, bam, man, that hurt. I instantly got mad. He said, boy, this is pre-Jesus, boy, don't you get mad at me. I'll whoop your And you know what? I had knowledge that contributed to self-control. I knew he could do it. And I had suddenly said, okay. (laughs) I mean, temperance went out the door. I exercised faith and it developed self-control. Y'all see how it works? (laughs) I knew he could beat the stuffing out of me. If he wanted, he could wipe me out right there. So revelation and knowledge like that contributes. As you exercise that and you walk in that, it develops temperance, self-control. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 12, and I'm starting to wind this up. Temperance, listen, it's just a part of Christian life, mm-hmm. self-control. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18, just throw this in there. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. 1 Corinthians 6:12. all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. There's some things that can be lawful according to Scripture, but it could destroy your life. It can torment your life. Listen, one of the things that I love so much when I was working for one particular company is I could, could, some of you, you heard stories about it. Some people could roll over from waking up and have a pack of cigarettes right by the bed and light up those cigarettes and it's just like, Are you all with me? If I'd had Cassie let me put a refrigerator by her bed, I could have rolled over that morning and pulled out one of those mountain dews, a cold Mountain Dew. There's nothing more refreshing than a cold Mountain Dew. Then I had to have another about 9 o'clock, then about 12, about mid-afternoon. I was drinking Mountain Dew by the gallons, it seemed like. And, and, you know, it, it was lawful, but it was causing my blood pressure to go up. When I finally got off the Mountain Dew, my blood pressure leveled out. And there's people that might say, well, Mountain Dew won't send me to hell, but it might send you to heaven a lot quicker. (laughs) See, revelation can breed temperance, self-control. Revelation of these things can do that. Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, listen, listen, self-control is not just about not doing something. It's about doing something also. So here you put off the old man, but then you got to put on the new man. How many people have said, and how many of you in this room have experienced this? Well, I'll just quit doing that. It'll be all right. I'll just quit doing that. And then before you know it, you're, you're biting the dust. You're, you're not replacing it with the life of God. Right? Last two scriptures, and I'll close with this. And then next week we'll pick up patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. So, and, and two, well, let me just read these. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. Now listen, Quick-tempered. I'm going to be so bold, and it may offend you. There's no excuse for it. Because I know I've been there. I've been there. There's no excuse for it. You need to know the Word of God. Because if you think it's okay, you're at the bottom floor. You need to start seeing what the Word says about it. Start building and exercising your faith, making good choices. And you need some real knowledge about it. Ecclesiastes 7 9, don't be quick-tempered. That is being a fool. I didn't see it. Word said it. The Lord's telling us, said, listen, you act in the fool by losing your temper like that. You act in the fool. And it's not going to produce good things. Proverbs 14, 17, those who are short-tempered do foolish things. Boy, you can testify to the, that tonight, right? How many times you lost your temper and wished you hadn't have done it, and you felt like a, a bum, you felt bad? Well, that's a revelation of something to grow by. So, without having self-control, how are you ever going to step up to patience? That's the next level. Amen.